The Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Pray. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It turns out that Thursday would have been Madeline Lingle's 100th birthday. Lingle is probably best known for writing A Wrinkle in Time, which won a Newbery Medal in 1962. While I had heard Rudyard Kipling's Just So stories and Charles Dickens' Pickwick papers as a child, I didn't discover Lingle's books until about four years ago. And I am delighted at how she weaves her understanding of God into her writing. She writes often about story as truth. In the same way that we read parts of scripture as myth or metaphor, and yet hold them as sacred text. But as I discover more of her writing, I can't help wonder, who else have I missed? Whose voices haven't I heard? In the same way, one of the questions I'm learning to ask when I read scripture is whose story are we hearing? And perhaps even more importantly, whose story is missing? This week we begin a new church year and a new year in the three-year cycle of the lectionary. The selection of scripture texts that we hear read in worship every week. In the coming year, often our gospel texts will be from the gospel of Luke. But Luke's gospel was written after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, and it shares the accounts of witnesses to Jesus' ministry that happened nearly 40 years before that. Scholars tell us that Luke had access to Mark's gospel and to Matthew's and to still another unnamed source. So we cannot simply listen to his gospel as though there's only one person speaking. Asking whose voice we hear in scripture isn't a new idea. Preachers have crafted sermons that tell the Christmas story from the perspective of one of the shepherds or even one of the stable animals. And other sermons have been preached in the voice of minor characters in the Gospels, like Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross on the road to Golgotha before the crucifixion. The ELCA's Book of Faith initiative that began here in North Carolina 11 years ago teaches us to read scripture with devotional, historical, literary, and Lutheran lenses. And paying attention to the characters is part of that literary reading. Comparing and contrasting their experiences and understandings with our own, we discover meaning. More than any other gospel writer, Luke included the voices of women in his gospel. Just in its first two chapters, we meet Elizabeth, who becomes the mother of John the baptizer, Mary, who becomes the mother of Jesus, and Anna, the prophetess, who is in, Jerus in the Jerusalem temple when Jesus is presented there. 
And there are still more women, both in the remainder of this gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles, which is the second volume of his writing. This Advent season, I invite you to listen to the voice of Mary. Typically, Lutheranism doesn't include the same kind of devotion to or reverence of Mary that is given by our Catholic brothers and sisters. But Mary's story is still an important one for us to know. That's part of why I've shared the weekly devotion with you. Mary's song is the song of praise that we hear later in that chapter, the song that I read during our gospel reading today. And we'll hear that song again during the Hanging of the Greens, and it will show up in our lectionary readings in the fourth week of Advent, too. But as frequently as we hear her song in worship, I don't know that we pay much attention to Mary herself. So who was Mary? She wasn't royalty, and she wasn't from a powerful family or city. She was an unmarried young woman in the unimportant village of Nazareth in Galilee, several days travel north of Jerusalem. I wonder what you imagine she looked like, not from the museum portraits by the Renaissance painters or from the Christmas pageants and plays you may have been in or watched, but in your own words and images what do you imagine Mary looking like? I think there's a good chance that she would have had olive or brown skin and dark hair, and she probably would have been barefoot. If she had a house, it would have had dirt floors and mudded walls. She wouldn't have had fine robes. Her clothes would have been simple and unadorned. She wouldn't have had the chance for a formal education, so she wouldn't have been able to read or write. Instead, she would have learned what she needed to know at the knees of the mothers and the grandmothers and the aunties in her village. What else do we know about Mary? In her song, she calls herself a lowly servant. We know that slavery and servitude were prevalent in the first century, and more than 30% of the populace were slaves or bond servants. And yet, this unmarried, pregnant young woman was entrusted to bring the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, into the world. Like Mary, we are invited to participate in bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth. God invites us to stand up and be alert to what God is doing. Like Mary, we are invited to use our voices to praise God for the unexpected ways that God uses us and the unexpected places where God shows up in the world around us and like Mary, we are invited to speak with hopefulness 
into the uncertainty of the world around us. Let us pray. Holy God of righteousness, thank you for giving us the promise of a Savior who gives us hope in a hurting world. Thank you for inviting a lowly servant girl to bring that Savior into the world, shaking up our expectations and awakening us to the possibilities of your kingdom on earth. By your Holy Spirit, enliven our souls that we too may magnify your love and grace in all we say and do. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.